So we're continuing today a series on the book of Proverbs. And we've been talking about the book uh, of Proverbs. And we've been reading uh, through the whole book of Proverbs uh, all together. So every day we've been doing uh, one chapter a day. And so if you've been following along, by this point we should all be in chapter... 14. All right. Excellent. 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 Chapter 14. So um, we're going we're gonna to do uh, one, of the, one of the verses here uh, this morning. But I, first of all, I want to say thank you for coming back. Because I was worried last Sunday after I shared that story about the, the gas cap. I'm like, that's the end of the church. Like, there's zero respect for your pastor. You're no longer going to listen to any of the words that he has to say. So thank you for giving me grace on that one. And so we're on the book of Proverbs. And if you know this, uh, Proverbs, there's two big ideas in the book of Proverbs. Two big ideas. One is wisdom. Wisdom. And we're not talking about knowledge. We're talking about wisdom because there's a difference between wisdom and knowledge. I mean, we've all met uh, people who have a lot of knowledge, but not necessarily a lot of wisdom, right? And sometimes we've met people who have a lot of wisdom, but don't necessarily have that much knowledge. This book is about wisdom. And so that's big idea number one. Big idea number two is the fear of the Lord. And when we talk about the fear of the Lord, uh, we're not talking about being scared of God. What we're talking about is, is having a proper vision of ourselves, like who we are before God and having a vision, a, a clear vision of who God is in relation to us. So it's not being scared of God, but it is having a humble submission before God. And so when we go through the book of Proverbs, you're going to realize that um, there's a lot of do this and then that will happen and don't do that and then this won't happen. And so when we go through the book of Proverbs, sometimes we think that these are promises. They're not necessarily promises. We have to understand that. And the other thing that's important is that these are not formulas for success. Because these are, these are talking about the, um, the general rule. Like generally, this is the thing that are, that's going to happen. And this is wisdom literature. And we've got the book of Job and we've got uh, the book of, of um, the book of, so we've got book of, book of Proverbs and we've got the book of uh, Job and we've got different um, wisdom literature such as Ecclesiastes that talk about these exceptions to the rule. If you've been through the, the book of Job, you'll understand that there's exceptions to the rule and that's what these books are all about. So when we read the book of Proverbs, we have to have a proper understanding of what it is that we're reading. Okay, and so today we're going to look at Proverbs 16, 18. This one's going to hurt a little bit. Proverbs 16, 18. I love you guys. Just think that I'm giving you a big hug while I'm preaching this message to you. Proverbs 16, 18 says this, pride, pride goes before destruction, a haughty spirit before a fall. So today, the message for today, I have titled, Check Your Pride. Check your pride. So tell the person next to you, check your pride. Now, make sure you know that person, by the way. Okay, just tell them, check your pride. So check your pride, right? So I want to start with a, with a question. When was the last time you had a great conversation with someone? Just a great conversation. You had a conversation. That was such a good conversation. So a few months ago, I was able to visit my dad in Chile. He's a missionary in South America in Chile. And we spent about four days just talking. We probably talked for about three hours every time that we talked, and it felt great. And one of the questions that I asked myself is, why was that, why were those conversations so good? What was it about those conversations that I had with my dad that made it such a good conversation? What's a great conversation? Like when you walk away from a conversation, what is it that you think about, and you're like, man, that was great. What makes a great conversation a great conversation? Well, you walk away from that conversation feeling better than when you came in. There was true connection with the person that you were talking to. There was love. 
There was listening. There was genuine interest in the conversation that you were in. Have you ever been in a bad conversation? Like, yeah, you just have a conversation. Like, I don't know. I just I felt weird about that talk. I don't know what it was. Well, a bad conversation is when there's no real communication, right? It's all about trying to get a word in. It's all about trying to, 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 to be smarter than the other person. It's, it's all about trying to, to one-up the other person. And so there's not real connection. There's just two people talking, trying to prove to the other that they're better than the other person. I don't like those conversations. I listen to podcasts a lot. I'm kind of a podcast junkie. And one of the things that I love listening to are debates. And when there's a debate, to me, it's so fascinating. Maybe it's not even a topic that I'm that interested in, but I'm fascinated by the way people talk to each other. Because sometimes people talk to each other, and it's all about just, you know, I want to beat that person. Like, I want to say something that will make me win the argument. But then there are other conversations. When when you're talking to someone, you're listening to a podcast or you're listening to a debate where both of the people have their egos in check and they're genuinely just trying to add truth to the topic that they're listening to or that they're talking about, right? I love those conversations because it's all about finding something that they both have in common. And so when I think about this, I think about us as Christians. You see, because as Christians, sometimes we can have, we have the truth. We have the truth. We have Jesus. We have salvation. We have true hope. We have the Bible. We have all of these things that are so important to us and that are so true to us. But the problem is that we can have an approach when we are presenting these things that will make other people uncomfortable in the sense that they're feeling like you're just trying to impose your ideas over them, but you really don't care about that person that much. And so when we talk about this, I think it's very important for us to understand what our role is as Christians and what our role is not as Christians. Our job isn't to get other people to come into our side of the argument. That's not our job. I grew up as a missionary in Chile. I've shared this before. And one of the things that we would do is we would go door to door and preach the gospel. So we'd knock on a door and the person would open up the door and I would start talking to them about Jesus. And we had the four spiritual laws that we would share with them. And this was really a strange thing, but this is the culture that I grew up in. And so when, when, I had these lines that I had memorized and I would share these lines with these people and sometimes they would respond positively or negatively to the message that I was given to them and they had to write their name or they had to do what we call the Lord's uh, prayer or the sinner's prayer and then if that person did the sinner's prayer or wrote their name on the thing then that person as a result of my interaction with them were now going to spend eternity in heaven. However, on the flip side, if I said something that didn't make sense or I got nervous or messed up my lines and the person was like, you know what, I don't, I'm not interested, then the result of that interaction that I had with that person is that that person would, as a result of what I shared with them, would spend eternity in hell. And so imagine how I felt as a boy having that weight of responsibilities. So I look back and I realized the, the absurdity of all of that. I was, just, I was just ignorant or misinformed on how this whole thing works. Because now I know 
that it is God who calls, that it is God who saves, and it is God that gives growth. And if it's, if, if it's God's will for someone to be saved, that person's going to be saved regardless on if I mess up my lines or I don't mess up my lines. God's sovereign. He's not up there in heaven saying, if Josh doesn't preach the gospel, if you don't preach the gospel, he's like, I don't know what I'm going to do. He's sovereign. He's in control. He knows. He uses us for his purposes. And so the reason why I bring this up is because do you realize how prideful I was in believing that I actually had in my hands the power to save someone? Which brings me to the topic of pride in our lives as Christians. You know, pride is a tricky one because, because when you have it, you don't see it. But others can see it. It's one of those things. It's not always obvious. However, it is so important to notice it because, because pride, like we were reading, is a precursor to a fall. And no one wants to fall but the scriptures are teaching us that this is what happens before you fall. So if you, have, if you have pride in your life, be careful because a fall is coming. So my, my, my goal with this message is to be able to catch pride early so we don't fall. And so what I want to share with you is one of the, the main ways in which pride shows up in church from the perspective of outsiders. Here's how it shows up. This is what people think. Not about everyone necessarily. But what people think, outsiders, the way they see us, they think that we believe that we're better than others. Many people think that, that, that we believe that because we are Christians, that we are better than other people. And you might be sitting here, you may say, well, we are, of course we are, because we have Jesus, we have salvation, we have faith, we have hope, we have peace, which literally makes us better than other people because we have these things and they don't, so we're better. Right? Which brings me to another assumption that we can make as Christians when we're reading the scriptures. Is that when we read the scriptures and the Pharisees appear on the scriptures, that those, that, that, that scripture is there not referring to us. Because we're not the Pharisees. Like, that's not an illustration that applies to us. That applies to other religious people. Not us. Well, we need to be careful with that. Because if you believe, if I believe that I am better than anyone else, because of the religion or what I profess, we are acting just like the Pharisees. What were the Pharisees like? Luke chapter 18, verse 10, it says this. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you. Listen to this prayer. I thank you that I am not like other people. Robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all that I get. You see, this is just an example of how Jesus viewed the Pharisees. You see, the Pharisees were under the illusion that they had a closer connection with God and the rest didn't because they were good followers of God. And brothers and sisters, we can fall into the exact same trap and you may not even realize this. So let me be very clear on something. Let me be very clear on the only thing that makes us different than anybody else. You see, the only difference between, between me and a guy who's never met Jesus, guess what it is? 
It's the fact that that guy has never met Jesus, and I have. And if we make it about anything other than just that one fact, we have pride in our lives, and we have to check it. See, I want to share with you something that, that might hurt a little bit. It certainly hurts me. It hurt, it hurt when, I, when I realized this. Maybe you already know this. That God doesn't need you. He doesn't need you. God doesn't need me. He doesn't. Which was a powerful discovery for me. Because I was remembering the weight that I was feeling, the weight of pride when I was sharing the gospel. The, I was remembering the weight of the pride on, one, on the one hand, and the, the weight of the guilt on the other hand, when I would go to door to door. But when I discovered that God doesn't need me, it was such an eye-opener. Because my big question then after that, after I realized that, it was then, then what's my role in this whole thing that God is doing on earth? Like, what's my participation in God's redemption plan for the earth? Because I discovered that God does everything. He literally does the whole thing. He calls, he saves, and he gives growth. He does the whole thing. So if I think that I have something to add to the entire work of God, I have pride in my life. And I have to check that pride. Now, that was a big relief for me. Like, I'm, I'm like, okay, it's all done. It's all taken care of. Good. So the big question arises then, why am I here? Like, why am I even doing this right now? What is this right now? You see, he doesn't need me. He doesn't need you. He's not thinking up in heaven like, oh, if Josh doesn't preach the gospel, I don't know what's going to happen. No. He's not thinking that. Listen to this. And please open up your heart to, to receive this, to receive this. It's much better than that. It's much better. God does not need you. He chooses you. He chooses you. He wants you. He wants you to participate with him in what he's doing. It's an invitation. It's an invitation. And so, so I, I want to explain it this way, and I, I apologize if I've used this example before, but it was such an eye-opener when I understood something. This is something that happened to me a few years back with my, little, with my daughter Amy, who's not that little anymore. She was probably about five years old. So I was in my room, and I was making my bed. So I make my bed every day, you know, just a routine type thing. takes two minutes. All of a sudden, my, my daughter shows up as I'm just starting to make my bed. And she's like, Daddy, Daddy, can I help you? And in my mind, I'm like, okay, if I, if I let her help me, it's going to take me 10 minutes. She doesn't know how to make a bed. And I'm like, I almost said no because I'm in a hurry, but then I stopped, and I'm like, let's do this. Let's do this together. And then she comes in, and it's a blast. I'm doing the sheet thing. She's jumping on the sheet. We're just playing around. It took forever. Probably took 15 minutes to do that whole thing. You know what I realized? Is that she didn't help me at all. It took a longer time than I would have ever expected. But it was such a beautiful experience for both of us. It was an invitation. I'm like, I'm doing this thing. Come on, let me join you. And my daughter joins me in this whole process. You see, when, we, when I think about our participation in the work of God, it's a love story. It's not about God needs us to be able to achieve the things that he needs to achieve. He's like, no, I want to show you something amazing. I'm in this redemption plan for the world 
why don't you come along? He chooses us. Come with me into this thing. This is so freeing. This is so freeing. Understanding this is so, so freeing. And so here's what I want to invite you to do. I want you to think about pride. Because we all have it, by the way. This is everybody. We all have some pride in our life. And pride basically is saying or thinking that God needs me for something. That's pride. And so I want us to to make a transition between pride and I want us to transition from pride into gratitude. Into gratitude. Let's think about gratitude. Let's be grateful. Let's wake up every morning thanking God for every breath that he's given us and for this invitation that he gives us to be able to participate in his work. That's the invitation of today. Replace pride because pride is God needs me. Gratitude is he chooses me. Pride says I have something to offer. Gratitude says everything I have, I have received from God. You see, pride will tear you down. But gratitude will lift you up. Pride will make you a selfish person. Gratitude will make you generous. You see, pride makes your life small. But gratitude opens up your life. Pride will make you what pride will make people walk away from you. Gratitude makes you attractive to others. You see, the invitation this morning is for us to live a life of gratitude. And not just to avoid the fall or to avoid destruction, but to position ourselves correctly before God. You see, the fear of the Lord, which is one of the big themes of the book of Proverbs, is understanding who we are in relation to God. So I'm going to close with this. It's a little bit shorter sermon today. But I want to ask you a question. Have you ever been overwhelmed by something? Not like by problems or by things in life, but like just overwhelmed by something, but overwhelmed like in a good way, like, oh my gosh, this has always been in front of me and I just now saw it for the first time. Has that ever happened to you? So I was on a missions trip to Samoa. This was years back. It must have been like 2008 or something like that. I was at a missions trip and we're doing a VBS and doing some evangelism in this island. And nighttime came. And there were the, the, the people, the Samoans, they were like, I want, I want to show you guys something amazing that we always share with the missionaries that come here. And so we went out to this field and it was nighttime. And we all laid on this field and we looked up to the sky and we opened our eyes and this is what we saw. Not, not those letters, by the way. Oh, there it is. That's, that's, that kind of, kind of represents what we saw. That's literally the, the Samoan sky from the perspective of Samoa. And so I'm looking at that. I'm seeing the constellations. I'm seeing the, the star. I'm seeing all these things. And it just like hit me so deep. It wasn't new information. It was just that I understood how small I was and how big God was. And I just felt my pride start to melt away and my gratitude start to increase. You see, maybe this has happened to you before in your life where you come to these moments 
And the beautiful thing is that when we think about our pride, we understand that pride is really about, I got this. Like, I got this. But when you see something like that and you understand and it hits you so deeply, it all changes. It's like what Job says in uh, uh, Job 38, 4. You know, God is talking to Job and he says, where were you when I laid the earth's foundation? Tell me, if you understand. Who marked off its dimensions? Surely you know. Who stretched a measuring line across it? What were its footings set? Or who laid its cornerstone? While the morning stars sang together and all angels shouted for joy? You see, this is a reminder this morning that everything that we have, we have received from God. So I want to ask you to do something this morning. Super simple. Just take a breath. You can let it out now. That was a gift from God. It was a gift, literally a gift from Him. The next breath is not a promise. It's probably going to be there. It's God's good. He has given us literally everything that we have comes from Him. So I'm going to ask you to close your eyes here for a minute. I'm going to say a few things and then we're going to pray. Because maybe you're here this morning and and you just needed to be reminded about the fact that God doesn't need you to do His work, but God chooses you to participate with Him in what He is doing. Maybe you're here and you just need to receive that freedom that comes as a result of that, of knowing that that your work for God is a joy. And also that we're so dependent on Him for everything. So the invitation this morning is to, to replace pride with gratitude. Lord God, we thank you so much for these moments that we share this morning and we recognize how, how amazing you are, how big you are and every word that comes out of my mouth just falls short to describe you. We just thank you, God, for every breath that we take, for every relationship that we have, for every meal that we get. We're so grateful for your sacrifice. And I just pray, God, that you will do something amazing in our lives that will position us correctly before you as we walk this life. I pray, God, that you'll remind us that pride is all about thinking that somehow we have something to add to your work. But gratitude is about receiving your blessings and receiving your your work and receiving everything that you've given to us and understanding that none of it comes from us. It's all about you. We love you so much, God, and we thank you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.